Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So we are back for another season, and as you can tell, we are as smooth as always with that <laughs> in- infomercial that came through there, with br- briefly coming back to my face before we finally got into the intro here. But as I said in the actual intro off the show, Juco James is back for another season, season three of the Huddle Breakdown. How are you getting on? Good. I, I uh, Other than having this hard, you know, it's hard enough for a guy like me with the ladies, and then when you get a herpes thing growing on your lip makes you even more revolting i mean just the word herpes right just disgusting so outside of that i'm doing okay I'm just more watching so, all these watching all these people turn off like the viewer numbers right. just go, oh. more so i'm shocked by how much wine you've apparently been drinking while in europe that you've had to sell out to get a sponsor for the channel i mean this is a, is this not a major problem that you have a wine consumption issue that much that you need to get a sponsor <laughs> no, it's not so much the wine that is dragging out all the money from this channel. It's actually the man who has also signed up for another year with the Huddle Breakdown, and that's the man to your left on the on the channel for me, and that is Alan Morrison, a.k.a. Celtic by Numbers, doing so much content over the off-season that I didn't know if he took a break at all. Alan, how are you getting on? <laughs> yeah, I've got that James McCarthy-like contract in my back pocket. <laughs> And I expect to be contributing about as much as, as James McCarthy will as well. <laughs> so yeah, over to you. <laughs> I'm just I'm just going to be kicking back and taking it easy. <laughs> well, I can I can assure you, I'll be using you more than Celtic will be probably using James McCarthy this season. But <laughs> look, there's there's so much to get into over the next hour or so that it's pro- we're probably not going to get to do it all. But we'll we'll try fit in some preseason chat with the transfer chat and get some of the questions as well that were sent in before the show started. So we'll start off with the, the game today. So it was Celtic 4, uh, Banik of Czech uh, Republic uh, 2, uh, O'Reilly, Abada, Jakimakis and Kyogo all on the score sheet. And it was, Alan, probably the closest that we've seen to a starting 11 as you will during the, the normal season. You know, it was, it was packed full of first-team players. There probably wasn't any surprises in the team at all. Um, you, you you watched this game, suppose I didn't. I didn't get to see the game, but I was following it along on Twitter. What uh, were some of the talking points that you would take from it? Yeah, I mean, I think firstly, if you look at this game and the game in midweek against, uh, sorry, on the weekend against uh, Rapid Vienna, is is to say that both of those clubs are way down the road of their 
pre-season. So I think Rapids' first competitive game is on Friday. And I think the Celtic game may have been the last or next to last. And then it was a really, really uh, competitive game. They're quite, quite a very well, uh, well played, very quite intense game. And similarly, you know, tonight this was a big occasion for for Bannock. It's a hundred year anniversary, uh, and they were well up for it. They got an early goal. They put Celtic under some pressure. They launched loads of crosses into the box. I think it's a feature of both games that Celtic have not dealt with that very well, to be honest. Um, but I think the, the context that we have to understand is that this is Celtic's third game. And certainly some of the players like Juranovic, the ones that have been on international duty, Jota even, um, look, you know, look, look, look are way short of what, where they're going to be when the season actually starts. Um, whereas the teams that we've been playing are pretty close to... Uh, to competitive action, so I think you've got to look at it in that in that context. And, and if you do look at it in that context, I think you know Celtic could be pleased with, with both workouts, especially uh, in the number of goals that they're scoring. Um, there's been issues at the other end for sure, um, and actually, I, I think especially in the rapid game, what what impressed me or what occurred to me really was that Celtic were actually pretty poor on the ball. Um, and the passing, which and the, and the timing and the passing and the movement just was quite wasn't quite there. But off the ball was where I think they were trying to do uh, all of their work in terms of the things they they'd been focusing on in the camp. And it was the it was the trying to get more coordination around the pressing, trying to respond in a consistent way to the different triggers that that was really a standout for me, especially in the rapid game. Um, it didn't always work because you know it's, it's practice, 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 and it's early days. But you know, I can't remember that early game. There was at least three or four goals scored against the um, Vienna Victoria side from from transition, and there was a couple of goals I think from the Vienna game that were scored on on transition. So this is something that Celtic have been really, really working on, I think, and that was the the piece that I think that came out for me more than anything, um, and just the fact that especially today. The difference between different groups of the players, between where they are in terms of their their, their preseason, as I say, Yota looked miles off it, Juranovic looked way off it, uh, even Carter Vickers looked a bit slow. Even McGregor is passing wasn't quite on point, um, but some other players like Ralston, he just kind of he just kind of hit it hard. He just kept 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 going for it. Abada looked really quick uh, and lively. Jack and Max and Kyogo both looked really sharp. So, um, you know, pluses and minuses. I, w- I wouldn't say minuses. As I, say, I just think it's the fact that we're not right. We're not at the point where mm. everyone's coming to a boil yet. We're still okay. getting everyone up to up to speed, really. So I, I don't want to be too harsh. Yeah. And speaking as somebody who has a similar body type and who has probably put on a couple of stone and, and <laughs> wine and cheese over the last two, two months or so, I would say Anthony Austin's probably one of those pe- people that needs to keep himself in in really good nick all the time otherwise three weeks down the road he will be uh, a, a couple of pounds heavier than he than he, he would be if he kept it going uh, james I, I remember back to last preseason where it was our kind of first time uh covering preseason you know it was the second season of the hollow breakdown and and celtic were playing teams with you know they had urkidi had just come in uh shaw shaw had just come into midfield uh, Dembele was playing out in the right wing, and we were genuinely here questioning whether or not this would be Celtic's starting lineup. So, considering that, and considering where we are now, uh, your thoughts on preseason and how far we actually are along in comparison to where we were last season, even. 
Oh, yeah, it's it's um, apples and oranges, night and day. Um, the fact that we got the the big transfers in in January, hugely helpful. Uh, you can see O'Reilly and Maeda and even though Hatate, I don't know if he picked up an injury or knock or something, but uh, not being in the squad today. But, um, you know, having a full preseason and then having the luxury of having these, you know, to some of the points that Allen's pointing out, uh, and I agree with pretty much everything he said, um, that we don't have to worry about playing a Mitchelland like this week <laughs> or whatever it would be, um, given the compressed calendar that the way it unfolds now with the the poor international players that are playing into mid to late June now, the, the way they pummel these poor guys. Um, you know, so guys like McGregor basically getting two weeks off or maybe and then having to go right back at it. Uh, you know, so it's it's nice to have that period where you know the ramping up of the competition um even in the league it's you know not going to be crazy in august before we start uh going into the champions league campaign um so that, that run-up i think is helpful and the fact that we're to your point and i think the, the the squad far more settled and with just the, a much higher tier of of player and talent and depth that's the other key is that the depth is there um, to a degree now with some you know exceptions but uh that's why the window is still open and hopefully there's still two or three more to come in yeah and there's a big link with a current psg player uh today we'll cover that in just a brief moment but before we get into the transfers um, and the preseason was obviously uh, an opportunity to get a couple of new players into the team. You know, you had Boston Lawwell coming in at centre back, and you're seeing younger lads, Mikey Johnson, try to prove himself once again. But we're also seeing a coaching staff member uh, step up to the plate, and it's sort of a, his opportunity to integrate himself in, and that is Harry Kuehl. We haven't had a, an opportunity to chat about Harry Kuehl joining the coaching staff yet, uh, Alan, but very vocal is probably the first thing that you're taking from. His uh, first three games as a coaching member of this staff. Yeah, I mean, top top player Harry Kuehl in his day, an attacking left winger, not not dissimilar to 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 you, Iota, uh, probably a little bit more of a, a forward than a winger. Maybe he, he scored quite a few goals. Um, quite an abrasive character, I would say, from what I can tell. Uh, and he's dipped his toe in management with with kind of mixed success. It has to be said. Yeah. And you know, listen, when you're when you're managing, especially in the English lower leagues, there's all sorts of contextualization you need to put around a lot of these jobs. But um, you know, he's trying to basically trying to find his feet in the game in terms of management and coaching. So, um, a very interesting move. I, th- I think you know what, what Ange said was, you know, he he wants to, he doesn't want to stand still. He wants to keep freshening things up. So somebody who's perhaps because um, you can imagine with with the existing coaching staff. You know John Kennedy, uh, Strachan, um, even even McManus, to maybe to a lesser extent, that seemed quite nice. Maybe <laughs> and, and maybe getting somebody in who's a little bit got a little bit more uh, of an edge, a little bit more abrasive, a slightly different perspective, maybe a bit more challenging for the players. I think mm. is uh, is maybe the thinking here, um, possibly, <laughs> which is which is you know, yeah, not a well, bad thing. Well, well, on that, look, it's. It's not always the case in, in terms of coaching staff, but if you look through the ranks of the Celtic coaching staff, Harry Kuehl is someone that will definitely garner respect from the players because of what he did as a player himself and how good he was himself, and especially for attackers. I'm not saying that good player automatically equals good coach because we've seen a lot of cases where it does not, 
but I do think he's someone that or you go in and immediately he garners your respect regardless of what you think um, of his coaching standards immediately. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. The other thing is it's just a numbers thing, right? So um, I think Alan and I have discussed this before. I mean, in the modern game, staff sizes have expanded to focus on certain elements of the game that probably didn't get the level of attention that they do now. You know, things like set piece coaches and throw in coaches and, you know, so all of these different specializations. Um, so just adding numbers, I think, is is a positive sign in and of itself. Um, so, again, kind of more towards, um, I think, Ange having uh, more power and uh, say in, in the setup. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's probably the most encouraging part uh, that, I, that I take away from it. Yeah, it was also one of the frustrations of many Celtic fans, including myself, I will say, that Ange did, came in and didn't get to choose many of his staff and was stuck with play, you know, coaches who were part of a field system as, as much as uh, Mr. Neil Francis Lennon was. So, look, we'll see how Harry Kill gets on. Again, like you said, Alan, he, do, he does have a mixed bag in terms of his coaching so far, but he did go into some pretty difficult situations as well. So I guess... He's not afraid of a challenge, so hopefully it will be a good addition to yeah, the coaching I, panel. I, I think I disagree slightly. I, I'm not sure Ange didn't have the ability to you know, change the coaching staff had he wanted to. I think he chose not to. I think okay. he realised that you know there was so much change on the playing side that there was only so many things that you could address in the time that you had. Mm. And, then, and it was really getting a competitive team on the pitch was his priority, sorting that out, because not only did he inherit all the coaching staff, he actually had inherited a lot of players that um, either wanted to leave or or who were brought in before he was really the one, you know, leading the recruitment drive, you know, with, you know, likes of Scales and McCarthy, I think we've talked about, or really not and signings, uh, but probably somebody trying to help him out by getting bodies in because the squad was so low on numbers. So I think he chose not to really, and I think he gave everyone the opportunity to, uh, to, to you know, to impress them as, as well as the players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they certainly did that last season, so we'll see if they can do the same again this season. But speaking of players, we're deep into transfer season at the minute, transfer fever at the minute. It's starting to hype up a little bit more over the last couple of weeks. It went a little bit dark for a week or so since Celtic confirmed the signing Jota, which was the question on everybody's mind, was he or was he not going to sign? But eventually Celtic have confirmed Jota a good few weeks ago at this point. So just in terms of our transfer situation, going out of Celtic or have players who have already left. Near Beaton has left. Tom Rogic has left. Liam Scales, you know, RIP in peace to Liam Scales' Celtic career. But he's moved on to Aberdeen on loan at least, so we'll wait and see what he does there. Sorrow has left. Barkas has left. Dembele has gone. Luke O'Connell has gone. Montgomery and Bologoli have also left. So, you know, the left back position is definitely somewhere where we, we seem to be happy enough with the players at the club. Coming in is Jota, obviously. Carter Vickers coming in as a permanent signing. Uh, Alexandro Bernabe coming in as a left-back from Lanos in the South American leagues. And Segrist coming in as a backup goalkeeper for Joe Hart. Very interesting so far. We will get your thoughts on that so far and what Celtic have done. But today, uh, Alan and James... We've had a big link with a player from uh, from PSG, Edouard Michu, a young midfielder. He's fallen. Aren't you, aren't you in France right now? 
Yeah, I am. Are you not on his doorstep? I'm, can can you say on, that better? That was horrible. I'm the man on the ground. Etoile, Michu or something? Michoud. Can you pretend? Michu. Michu. Etoile? Etoile, Michu. So he's a young 19-year-old midfielder for PSG. He has fallen out with the club over missing a meeting or missing uh, some sort of scheduled something that he was supposed to be at. He's fallen out with the club. He wants to play more. Doesn't seem to be in the plans of their new manager. And uh, Celtic are reported to be linked with him for a 2 million move fee, which seems quite low here, James, in my opinion, but <laughs> probably a steal. I, it would seem, it would appear so if that's the number. Again, without knowing the context of what has gone on, um, you know, I, I think from what I've been able to find in public sources, his contract goes for another three years. So the idea that a club would, you know, kind of take a rock bottom value. I mean, this is a guy who's gotten time at age 19 at PSG, right? So just that, that alone, that profile, he hasn't played a lot, but you know, that, that's a pretty significant level of, of um, achievement at that age. So, um, you know, for him to go for that kind of number, something's not adding up there to me. Given the contract mm -hmm. length, given the profile of the player, so you know, even if things went horribly wrong, meaning that this guy has burned bridges so bad that they're like, "Get this guy the hell out of here," that still seems awful low to me. But again, I who knows? I, I, uh, it's, it's just there's a, there's something not adding up in the equation. Yeah, it it does seem dangerously low. However, there is a pot potential that. Like for Benfica's case, for example, or with Jota, that you know, staff members now are apparently reeling at the fact that they allowed Jota to be labelled at that price for Celtic to to buy him a, from on their loan to buy option because they undervalued him. It would have to be one hell of a strap, Alan, for a young player like this to go from a club like PSG for two point five million, unless he threw the strap of all straps. Yeah, and listen, just based on the articles that are in the public domain, it sounds like you know he 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 was assigned to the youth team for the start of season uh, and, and wasn't part of the first team squad. Yeah, um, there was then a, a meeting to, to sort of discuss that, which he never turned up to, and then he was sort of disciplined uh, the next day. Sorry, excuse me, sorry about that. Um, disciplined the next day. Um, he 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 believes he should be part of the first team squad. Uh, and you know, based on the fact he's, he's only had 183 minutes, uh, in he's made six or seven appearances, not adding up to, to too much, like two starts in cup, French Cup matches. So um, probably a little bit early to be playing Billy Big Bugs, but on the other hand, <laughs> uh, at 19, um, a little bit like uh, Matt O'Reilly, and maybe Matt, you know, Matt O'Reilly decided that he wanted to be a first team player. And he was prepared to to walk away from a lucrative contract. I know Fulham's not quite PSG, but still, if you're a young player, to walk away and say I'm going to prove myself in the first team, and he and he went to MK Dons, and you might you might argue that going from Fulham to MK Dons is a bit like going from PSG to Celtic in terms of just sheer sheer monetary um, differential there. Um, maybe 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 it's the same kind of attitude, really, of just him knowing uh, in his own mind that he's ready. And wants to prove himself. Um, you know, there's very little public data on him. Uh, as I say, 183 minutes. 
there's a video clip of one of the cup ties. I think there was there's some really obvious talent there that you know you don't need to watch hours and hours of him to see. You know that you've got a heads up player who seems to have more time on the ball than others around him, who plays very seemingly very simple but very very dangerous passes forward. Um, but who's also, despite his quite slight frame, was able to, you know, um, win a lot of challenges just by by good body strength, good positioning, good anticipation. Um, you know, listen, underneath three minutes is nothing. I always say, you know, 900 minutes is, is the minimum to start, you know, really getting a feel for a player. But but there are some key things, you know, like if you put sort of scouting head on, you know, things like first touch, like, balance like core strength that I, I would I personally always look for first and, and and it appeared that he's got those things in abundance and then you add on the sort of progressive passing element to it now clearly there's so many other things you need to look at and what have you the thing that amused me and, and that I alluded to on Twitter which caused a few people to get lit up which is always funny is that in the video clip, he's actually playing against Van, I think it is, and he's he's playing in central midfield with uh, Marco Verratti, and Marco Verratti is yeah. an absolutely wonderful player. Um, and and on, on at least three occasions in this short video, and it might be more, um, the commentator s- s- mentions Verratti's name when it's actually Michi that's got the ball because he's so similar in terms of the way he looks and, and just the way he moves and and, and, and his actions. So I said, I, so I said he, he looks a bit and he plays a bit like Verratti. Of course, that triggered quite a lot of people. You're saying he's like Verratti. You're mental, you know, <laughs> and all that sort of thing. It's like brilliant. <laughs> I didn't actually say that. If you read very carefully yeah. what I did say. But no, listen, on, on early looking, he looks like a, a um, he's got some real good raw materials, right? Um, he's a player who... Um, Barcelona, Juventus, Manchester City have tried to get him before he signed his pro contract at PSG. Um, Seville were willing to pay, apparently, allegedly willing to pay six, eight million for him uh, last season. So um, this is somebody who's who's well known, right? He's not a secret. This is a very kid that's been very talented. Now, how good he actually turns out to be, we don't know because it's under three minutes. That's what it, that's what it is. So it would be a, a kind of risk in a sense, but if it's a two million pound risk. The, I mean, you know, this is a, it's a very interesting uh, piece. But I, what I would say is, it, he, based on what I've just said, if he did come to Celtic, he won't be coming as a project. He won't be coming to play in the Lowland League. He'll be coming to be in the first team. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, my my skepticism on it is the price. Not, I think, because um, I he's got a, it's about thirteen hundred minutes, including like under nineteens and stuff of data yeah, I don't, in, I don't, in I wise. Don't yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not even uh, worth looking at that closely. Um, but just, I, you know, I looked at uh, some of his um, clips, not, not assembled clips, but some specific event type of clips. And I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's pretty clear right away that he's um, at, at a certain echelon of, of quality and talent. Um, so again, I go back if, if, I think I saw if Sevilla was looking at eight million last year, as Alan said, Euros. That is, um, I'm not sure how, you know, even if he's he's had a, a huff, that uh, his his value would get cut by seventy percent, given the fact that, again, he's under three more years of contract. Um, so there might be some kind of contract variable here that we don't know about. You know, there might be something else going on. It's just, you know, that that number seems odd to me relative to all of the inputs. And and um, 
you know, the profile, but hopefully, I mean, again, if, if we get them for 2 million, I mean, it would be like, you know, sign, sign, I joked on Twitter, inject that into my vein. I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that would be like uh, uh, theft, I think. Um, yeah. So be, be wonderful that, if that's the case. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be interested to see who his management team are because Celtic have previously bought players from PSG, Timothy Weah. Um, obviously, uh, Edward came from PSG as well. Maybe it's a little bit of, you know, political play here that they sounded it out or put this out to the media that a team, you know, it's not out of the ordinary that Celtic might go for a player like this. Um, and suddenly, you know, you have five or six other clubs scrambling to get his signature for a little bit more. So, well, so Enda, I, I hear what you're saying, uh, and, and I agree with you, but, um, what 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 got me? The only reason, like, I don't, you know, I don't normally jump onto rumors on Twitter. I just don't. I just can't be bothered. I've got enough time, frankly. The only reason that I jumped onto this one was because Fabrizio Romano and Anthony Joseph almost simultaneously broke this, and they are very very good, well connected people. Yeah, that's the reason yeah. that I got excited about it. Yeah. It was because of who who was, and it sounded like um, that from what they were saying that it was actually quite quite way down the road. Right mm-hmm. now, the meeting that that um, Mishu missed was on the sixth of July. His disciplinary meeting was on the seventh of July. If things are way down the road, it doesn't mean that means that they've not been talking like today or yesterday. They've been talking for a number of days, which, which means as soon as that relationship broke down, Celtic were in there. Now that that is a sea change. That's a sea change mm-hmm. for how Celtic are doing business. Um, yeah. Somebody somehow. Has got good good intelligence and good information, um, you know. I'll not mention the shitty growth or anything like that, but you know, you, you, I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure that's got some, possibly got something to do. A cynic might might suggest. Mm-hmm. And I and I can see the attraction from his perspective, from the player's perspective. I mean, given his age, um, given Celtic guaranteed Champions League, uh, give and his level of quality and talent that it looks apparent. Um, you know, you would think he'd be coming in as a starter or at least a significant first team player. And at his age, you know, to be able to do that at a club like Celtic could be really appealing. And again, as we look to kind of get on par with the, uh, in player development with the Salzburgs and the Benficas and the Portos and the Ajaxes, they regularly play players of this profile. Um, so that all makes sense. The party that, that doesn't make sense to me is the yeah, but listen, if he if he if he wants to play familiar. first team football realistically, right? It, it, it's he's yep. not going to go. It's, it's not it's not that he's not going to go to a, even a top five team in the top five leagues. He's not going to go to a middle table team in the top five leagues. He's not going to go to Aston Villa or Valencia, let's say, right, and walk into their first team. They're just not going to take the risk. They can't, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. I even read I even read a piece on Seville. Seville, so was, and, and the Seville were saying, yeah, they were looking at him and they're interested in him, but he would be a, he would be what they call a medium term project, right? right. And that's, that yep. doesn't sound like what he wants. He wants first team football. So where's he going to go to get first team football and um, at a club of, of of status and be playing European and Champions League football? So that bit, I, I agree with James. All, all adds up, other than the price seems a bit odd. Mm-hmm. You've sold me. You've sold me. We'll, we'll wait and see. Now work, how now work on your French, will you? Michou. 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 Yeah. So 
Look, we put out a tweet earlier on on the Huddle Breakdown uh, Twitter account just asking people, uh, okay, so here's the transfer system, situation so far. Who Here's who we've sold, here's who we've, we've got, and how do you feel about the transfer season or the transfer window so far for Celtic? And majority of people were quite pleased, quite happy with how Celtic have gone about business. Some people are saying, you know, there's obvious positions that we still need to improve on. Um, in terms of the general business and the way that we've done it I, I mean I looked at this a couple of weeks ago if Celtic were if, if this was last year Celtic had just signed Urgide and Shaw and uh, Starfelt came in the day after our second leg of the Champions League qualifiers um, this year Celtic have signed um, you know Jota on permanent basis Cameron Carter-Vickers on a permanent basis Bernabe, who looks like he might be pressing for a first-team place on a permanent basis, and a backup goalkeeper in, in Benjamin Seacrest, um, all before the end of July, all well before Celtic would be playing a Champions League qualifier. If they were in the qualifiers this year, they're not. On the face of it, it has been a good transfer window for Celtic, in my opinion, but there's still work to be done here. Um Centre-back still looks like a position we're going to look to strengthen. Maybe Michu is the answer in midfield that we're looking for. But, uh, James, generally good business from Celtic so far, smart business from Celtic so far, but probably need more? Yeah, I um, I, 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 mean, I've expressed my uh, skepticism is not the right word, but uh, lack of optimization in some of them um, relative to Jota, um, in particular, but they're low risk. I mean, that's the big thing. If you're, if for a club like Celtic to spend the kind of money that they did on Carter Vickers and Jota, when we know what we're getting, they've already bought in. Um, we know they're going to, uh, particularly domestically be, um, you know, uh, hu- huge performers. So, I mean, I, th- 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 those are good signings. Um, Seacrest, I'm a lot more skeptical about. Um, I, I don't understand that one relative to um, all already having heart in, in the squad, meaning that they profile very similarly. And that's one of the, I think one of the big things we'll see if it sustains through the season, particularly in Europe, but um, we've gone back to Ange ball with keeper deployment so far in preseason uh, with heart being way farther up. Uh, and we talked about that this time last year uh, when we were speculating about, what kind of keeper we'd bring in and how Ange deployed keepers in the past. Um, remember uh, some of the journalists from Japan that would come on and say, yeah, wait until you <laughs> wait till you see the keeper get chipped <laughs> from, <laughs> from 70 yards, which we, we almost saw today. Um, about three times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's harder to do than it looks uh, it from that distance. But um, yeah, so I, 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 that one I'm perplexed about, um, Bernabe, I think, is slam dunk. I mean, he looks like, uh, particularly for the value for money, um, it's it's good to see us in Argentina and in South America. Um, so that was very encouraging. Uh, some of the rumors, you know, it's kind of like you never know what to do with rumors. But I, relative to midfield, I'm really f- interested. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. To see where we prioritize the Sousa signing to me seemed more of a quality issue over a fit necessarily. I mean, he's obviously a really good player, but I'm not sure he was an ideal fit for Celtic in our situation right now under Ange. Um, so to me, actually, uh, Edouard Michou would be a, a better fit. And he's probably not as mature in his development curve as Souza is. Um, but I, the, the way I think about all these things is how is it going to make us better in the Champions League? And how is it going to make us more competitive in that venue? Um, and I, and I think that's, you know, kind of the prism through which I see it. Um, so I, I'd say overall positive uh, with, you know, maybe not optimal with, with a couple of them. Yeah. If you hear some music in the background, it's because there's a massive concert going on about two fields down from where I am because it's uh, the 13th of July, so it's almost Bastille Day, so the French are celebrating, you know, the, the actual culture that they have. I know there's another celebration around the 12th, 13th of July that celebrates something else. But this is real culture that's going on bes- beside me, beside my band. But so um, not, I was hoping... They're not, we would... they're, not, they're not burning your caravan then? I'm calling that culture. No, no, <laughs> there's good. no effigies. There's no effigies outside my caravan and there's no uh, mass Yet. fires going on. So Yeah, qualify yeah. 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 that. Yeah. It's a, diff- a slightly different type of culture then. Yeah, just... just slightly more cultural different. culture. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, look, I, I wanted to... I was hoping we'd get to talk about Jordan Larson and, and throw that idea around for 20-odd for minutes, but it looks like that uh, rumour has been squashed over the last number of days, but which is disappointing. But, Alan, look, it, there's an element mm. of standing still a little bit in the Celtic uh, transfer window so far in yeah. the sense that 
there is only really one player that comes in to progress the team from where it is, and that's Bernabe at left back. But progressing it from the position that we're in can also happen with the players that we had last season. Yeah, no, I get, I get that, and that, and that's obviously the the brick bat that's thrown by by uh, our friends. Um, listen, what you got to realise is that these two, as James said, these two players are known quantities. So you, 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 yes, Celtic spent a lot of money on them, but the the risk is minimal. A because of their age profile, they're both young players. B because they're known to Celtic, the manager, they know the system. They know the other players. They know that they want to be here, that they fit in both tactically and personally in terms of, you know, um, the city and, and friends and, 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 and all that stuff that's really important. Um, and and, thir- and finally, um, the, they've both got a really high ceiling, right? They're nowhere near finished, their development. Um, you know, for me, Carter Vickers was the best player in the country last season. He would have been my player of the season and on, on across all the awards. And, you know, Yota would, to me was the most exciting player, the most, you know, the most entertaining player in Scotland. And um, as I say, his, his ceiling is really high, I think, in terms of his development. So we've bought, yes, we've spent a lot of money, but we've bought two players that, 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 that de-risk you know, for all the reasons that I've said and also are probably immediately worth significantly more money from an asset management perspective than, than, than the, the cost of, of what we, we paid for them. So I think I think that's all good. I think it's all really really positive, and and I was surprised and delighted that they both signed on. Um, the, other, the other point I'd make is that you know we talked a lot last season about this this kind of concept of um, you know system, you know, system and process over personnel, right? And and you know I certainly came to the conclusion. I think I think James did as well that. Under under Ange, the system and the process is actually more important than the personnel. Not that you could literally switch any player for any player, but actually, he he he's been able to get players like Austin and so forth who can fit into the system and perform at a good level, probably unexpectedly high level, um, because the um, you know and we and we can get players like Starfelt who I still don't think is an optimal player for Celtic, but his weaknesses. Um, were were um, reduced in terms of risk by the strength of, and the cohesion of the system and the approach that Celtic were taking. So, so that that I guess that, that another way of saying what I've just said is that another you know another year, a year on another a full preseason a full um, you know uh, set of friendlies a full camp with Ange on the training ground with that group of players. Is only going to strengthen Celtic's you know, cohesion, uh, organisation, shape, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that th- that is, I think, is going to be more value added. If you want to look at what's going to make the difference, what's going to make Celtic better. I think that will make Celtic better more than oh, I bought this one player or I bought that one player. Right now, that's not to say I, there isn't significant work to do on the squad, and I'll come to that. I think there is still significant work to do on the squad. So if I was playing football manager, right. I'd probably be saying, you know, goodbye to Julian, who I don't think wants to be here. Uru is never going to be a Celtic player. Mikey Johnson, sorry, Liam Shaw, Idiguchi, Ayeti, right? That's one, two, three, four, five, six first team players that I personally would be trying to, to get out. And I'd replace them with four. I think we need another centre back on the left side. We need a defensive midfielder. We need another eight. And we need an, another attacker probably on the, on the right. And if we got four first-team quality players and got rid of those six, I think we'd be in, in real real business then. But I don't think that will happen. I think that's too much 
change probably for this window, but it might be something that happens over the next two or three windows, uh, or you know, certainly the next uh, next next two probably. So, yeah. But as I say, my main point is that I think yes, it looks like we've not progressed a lot in terms of personnel, but I don't think that's the game changer. I think the game changer is the because what the way that Ange wants to play. Um, is actually really difficult to coach. Okay, so that if you think about the two, the two most um, important aspects of Celtic's play is is the attacking patterns. It's the it's the relentless of the attack. It's the how do we create overloads in wide areas. It's the movement. And it's the positioning. It's the interactions. It's the one twos. It's quick. You know, the goal today, the O'Reilly's goal was 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 that in action uh, perfectly. Um, that's really difficult to coach. Okay, and it needs a lot of time on the training ground. Similarly, I'll go back to the Rapid Vienna game. The, the, to me, the impressive thing of that game was the, the intensity of the pressing. And we said last season we didn't think we had the right people to do it. We, we, James and I always commented that it was suboptimal. And if you look at the data at the end of season, uh, Celtic were a less effective pressing team than the Rangers. And they're, they're, they, don't, they don't have quite the, the, the speed and intensity. And in fact, I don't even play such a high pressing game as Celtic do. We weren't as effective as them at it. But they're a very settled mm-hmm. squad and they've not, not had a lot of churn because these things take a lot of practice. Again, it's all about triggers. It's all about scenarios. It's all about when do I go? What is the scenario? What is our positioning? What's our spacing? How far away are we from each other? Are we all going at the same time? That takes communication. It takes practice. It takes a lot of practice. So those, Celtic are never going to be the finished article under Ange without a lot of continuity of personnel and a lot of time on the training ground. And I think that will be the benefit of this preseason more than saying, oh, we should have got that midfielder or that centre-back. Yeah. Well, look, this is obviously uh, relative to the the squad and the, the talent and uh, the ability of both clubs. But I would liken Ange and the current Celtic situation with Liverpool and what Jurgen Klopp is doing. If you look at the one of the frustrations with Liverpool fans is that they don't sign enough players during the season. But if you look at who they bring in, it's one or two or three players um, each at a time to replace or uh, improve either the depth of one position or improve on the starting lineup. Uh, a couple of years ago, it was, it was Jota that came in as Firmino's eventual replacement, and we saw how quickly he got off because he was suited to the system, and he ended up replacing Firmino a lot earlier than, than a lot of pundits would have reckoned and it was it was the same in midfield with Thiago coming in you know he was I think he was one of maybe two or three signs Liverpool had made that summer but he improved of where it was so I don't really care if Celtic only make two signings this year as long as those two signings are the two signings that Celtic need in order to progress and improve I think left back is one and they've done that with Bernabe centre back is probably the next one James or centre midfield yeah so the for, for me the two key positions um one of which looks like is not going to be addressed uh, no matter what um we're, we're center back and at keeper and i think that you know we've seen that already again in particularly the last two games where you know alan made very important points relative to pre, you know where these teams are at in the preseason but these teams also are an echelon below what we would face normally in let's say the, the the playoff round of Europa League like we did you know and an, an Alkmaar or even a Michelin Th- these are a team uh, a, these are teams lower even Rapid Vienna is a pretty good you know Austrian team but they're 
a notch or two below that in today's opponent. Um, I'll call him the Czech team. Uh, Bannock, I think he called him. Uh, we're just another level down. So th- the issue that I'm still having is, and to, to Alan's point, hopefully there's improvement to be had here, but we're still persistently allowing way too many chances against this quality of opponent and higher in Europe. Um, so again, th- these guys were kind of even below Bodo Glimt. Um, so, and, and the, the nature with which we're having these issues are still in transition, still playing out from the back. Um, and, you know, with, with, without having a, another center back, who's really good on the ball, with what looks like a settled keeper situation now where we're not going to have a keeper that's good on the ball. I mean, Seacrest is even worse than Hart uh, and Hart is not good on the ball. <laughs> uh, so, you know, that, that amplifies the need within the, and, and not only amplifies the need relative to um, uh, the constant, the, the, the composition of, of let's say the back five, um, but now we're going up a level in the Champions League, and I keep going back and looking at these pots <laughs> and, and praying for like the in, you know, it's like a poker player praying for the inside straight, you know, gunshot draw, and you're hoping to pull, you know, Eintracht and and maybe Donatesk and uh, you, you know, so, somebody else in that third pot, and you're you're like, my God, I mean, you could end up with Man City and or Real Madrid, Liverpool, and. And Salzburg is your three. I mean, it, it's a it's a horrifying uh, situation potentially relative to the quality of opposition, and, and that's where I keep coming back. I mean, we we've struggled defending against teams well below those levels, like not even in the same neighborhood. It's preseason; everything can change, everything can improve. Um, you know it, that that continues to be my my major concern is that that back five that um, when you have one or two weak links relative to being on the ball against certain level of opponents that uh, those problems can, can compound pretty, pretty severely. Yeah. And I mean, I think we saw that to some degree with uh, Europa league and conference league last year when the likes of Liam Scales came in for a game and, you know, he was caught badly in positioning. It's just the levels you go up, you need to be switched on. Mentally is almost as important as uh, your your ability in terms of yeah. uh, Champions League football. So. Again, we, we conceded two and a half goals a game. Um, yeah. That is not – that was the worst in Europe um, last season. So that, that, that suggests – now we scored. And again, that, that's – you know, I, I could see us – going into uh or, or at home beating real madrid 5-4 i mean it's it's going to be we're going to score um because of the system and because of the quality of attacking players that we have um and it, you know we had we saw that with real betis and leverkusen last season where these just incredibly exciting and you know fun games to watch um but that's a tough way to win at a high frequency against this level of opposition, the quality that we're going to be going up towards. Um, so that that's my big, you know, you could also have the kind of games where you get a real pasting um, if, if they get the quality of chances that, you know, they're probably going to get. I mean, there's, there's no scenario where we're signing Virgil van Dyke like 
this version of you know what I mean? Like current world class center backs. It's not going to happen. It's just not financially viable. Um, so every little detail matters to be able to get us to the point where we can compete at that level and playing the way that Ange is going to want to play. I mean, think about, you know, Joe Hart being 40 yards from goal against Man City. I mean, <laughs> with Kevin De Bruyne getting that ball today, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's like that's just a different kettle of fish. Um, and, you know, that that's the challenge that we face. Um, so that, that that's where my anxiety resides. It's not domestically. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're going to be fine domestically. Yeah. I know we need a new centre-back and I know we need a new centre-midfielder, but... When I saw that Liam Delap was available from Man City today, you know, a part of me was just like, "Ah, come on, we have to go for him. He's supposed to be genuine." I've seen a couple of uh, underage games. I've spoken to people in Man City who are involved in coaching, and they say he's absolutely next level stuff. He's going to be a Premier League striker. So, um, be interesting to see if you see a few rumors flying now with Celtic interest in in, in bringing in Liam Delap as a as a striker, considering, you know, maybe Celtic are in the market for another forward player, but we'll wait and see. Um, we'll get into some of the questions because they kind of, they kind of relate to te- uh, transfers anyway here, Alan. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one question that came in on Twitter from Martin McGuigan was that if we do sign an athletic centre midfielder like uh, he puts in brackets like Sousa, it's not going to be Sousa, but like him, uh, assuming they play in the Champions League games, who are the two other midfielders for you? Yeah, I think in Europe in that situation we may play more of a more of a two double pivot than than just three out and out you know midfielders in that sense. So it would be McGregor and a new person, and then one of Turnbull and O'Reilly. I would suggest in those in that scenario. Now, you know, again domestically it will be pick it will be pick and choose. I think and there'll be rotation etc. But I think for the big European games, it, it, that that would be the thinking. Mm-hmm. It's got to be O'Reilly for me if it's a choice, uh, just for the, you know, the the brazen good looks in that away jersey. <laughs> well, I, and I think I, I, Alan makes a great point. So that was the other th- part of the Souza rumor that I found interesting was that um, he he really didn't profile as a single pivot defensive midfielder in a four three three in an Ange system. So that, that those that was when I when I made the comments earlier, it was with, within that context. Um, I actually wrote something about this at the time is that it, it would make more sense if it, we were going to transition to play more 4-2-3-1, uh, which he played a lot at um, Marinos in Japan. Uh, and that seemed to be, you know, kind of the two systems or, or setups, not systems, but, you know, to, um, setups that he would uh, go back and forth between. And we almost, you know, we saw it very selectively, particularly in some European games or some games to lock down late. Alan would comment um, on, on those games, you know, bringing in McCarthy and putting him next to somebody like McGregor or even Soro at times, you know. So we did do it very selectively. But um, so it wouldn't surprise me if that ends up being part of the mix and it would certainly be um, within the norms of how he has uh, managed things in the past as well. Uh, So I think that opens up kind of the opportunity set um, as far as what kind of player and, and, you know, could you see an Itaguchi next to McGregor in champions league um, playing a four, two, three, one. Yeah. I'm just saying it it wouldn't be my ideal situation, but you know, how do you structure it to be a little bit more defensive even within the context of still playing a very aggressive um, 
style of play, which is, I think, the base case. Yeah, you've uh, sort of answered this already on, on Twitter, Alan, but um, Paul Kennedy asks, do you reckon Maeda's lack of technically technical proficiency is a hindrance to the team despite the fact that I, I signed him for the system? I will double that up with an inter- the interesting quote from Maeda himself saying that he didn't make the most of his pace um, last season and he wants to show that again this season. I mean, honest to God, if that's made and not making the most of his pace, I genuinely worry for what he's going to do uh, to some Scottish teams especially. But on the other side, that could be incredibly exciting in Europe as well. Yeah, I, th- I think he, he, the, I, w- I wouldn't see Maeda in isolation. I agree that he's not particularly a creative player. His technical ability is not, isn't, isn't his standout attribute by any any shape. Um, I think he's probably quite good at playing. Whatever he does, he does it. If he does it quickly, the more time he has on the ball to try and work out or to, to do a trick, I don't think that's that's his game at all. So, but what I think is important is if you look at the combination of the, of the front three. So, if you've got a front three of Kyogo or Jakamakis through the middle and then Maeda and Jota, that's a great balance that you've got to your attack. You know, you're stretching with pace. You're also got in Jota, you've got someone who's going to take the ball and, and try and beat you or, or or maybe put an early cross or try a trick. With with Maeda, you're looking all over the place. Where's he going? Where's he going? Where's he going? Jota can be like having another, another number 10 to slide the ball through it as well. So I think it's that it's that combination, and like if you had Maeda and Forrest, for example, I don't that I think we would hit a brick wall, frankly, against a really good side. We just wouldn't be able to break them down. But a Maeda and a Jota, you've got that mixture between, you know, getting a yard through ability and technique and tricks, and you've got that ability to stretch through sheer pace and movement. And it's that combination, I think, that makes Celtic a, a difficult team to defend against. Mm-hmm. I, I'd add to that that uh, I think. Um, to, to Alan's prior points on the pressing and the improvement on pressing, I think um, addressing those issues and getting significantly better could be a one plus one equals three kind of situation, meaning that Maeda without cohesive pressing can look like a headless chicken a little bit, uh, meaning that he, you know, he's so, he's so fast and aggressive in his pressing but that can also result in being bypassed pretty easily at times, meaning that you kill hell bent going in at a guy if what's behind him is not really coordinated uh, to to keep that pressure on, then it makes the press break down quite easily, actually. And I think we saw that quite a bit uh, at times uh, after his arrival. So if if what's going on behind him improves, I think that that. Uh, what he's really good at could get amplified quite a bit and and really ramp up and ratchet up the the effectiveness of of the pressing and the counter pressing. So I, I I hope that's the case, meaning that those improvements are going to kind of unleash him um, as, as opposed to almost at times, particularly again against a Bodo Glimt, somebody like that who's able to you know they're not wetting their pants when they see a Maeda running at them. You know, as you might get some of the guys in Scotland who are like, oh, my God, you know, they're not used to that level of intensity and don't have the patterns of play and the the confidence on the ball like you get against a team like, uh, you know, Bodo. So, um, yeah, so I, I, that's an area that I'm I'm anxious to see and, and relatively optimistic. Yeah, I remember when, you know, United were in their Ragnick situation and they were you know, trying to press, but pressing press with Ronaldo. doing it really, really badly. And uh, Gary Neville's analysis, one of his analysis was 
uh, that the only thing worse than a team not pressing at all is a team pressing badly. And that it was because the likes of Bruno, and I remember Damien Delaney, who used to play for Crystal Palace, he did a lot of punditry with, with us in off the ball. He was talking about it and how he saw that as almost fake work. So he would do the, you know, run straight at a player. It looks like he's doing really good work, but it's not because it's completely upsetting the entire tactical system. Yeah. I'm not saying Maeda does that, but he would, he could have a tendency to do that. And if you add Hatate in it, in there, who did it quite often as well, you mm-hmm. know, you're seeing players who, if they're bypassed, boom, that's two players yeah. out of the game straight away. And the likes of Liverpool, PSG, Real Madrid, Juventus, all the teams that Celtic will be playing against in the Champions League are able to do that. So you just need to be uh, smart about the way that you um, that you do it and and do it correctly. So hopefully Maeda does do it and does do it very well next season. We'll, again, we'll wait and see. Uh, just finally, before we finish up, this is a kind of a big question, so I don't know why I left it to last. But um, one question coming in from Omaha Celtic, I want to just specify it a little bit. He asks, what tactical changes do you see Ange making to uh, freshen up the team in season number two? I'm going to sort of... Uh, enhance that a little bit and say do you think uh, Ange will play a 4-2-3-1 this season given that he has done it in previous uh, years under his uh, different teams I think you think he will uh, or he might it depends on who recruit you in, in in terms of European games I don't think he will uh, just for run-of-the-mill league games because that would be too defensive um, and, and he will want to be on the front foot. I don't think we'll see massive tactical um, switches or um, changes to the way Celtic play. As I said earlier, to me, it's going to be about doing the things better that we, we saw glimpses of last season, especially the attacking patterns. So if you think about that first half in the February derby game and, and, the, and the way that we're able to overload the fullback areas, you think of doing that more consistently and, uh, and better and then think of the pressing again go back to that rapid game watch that back look at the intensity of the pressing how it was more coordinated how players were, were responding to the triggers I think those are the two things because they're diff- as I keep saying they're difficult to coach it takes time it takes players to practice it a lot on the training ground it takes a lot of communication etc cetera, etc cetera. so those are the two things I would look for to see have we stepped up how are we getting better at those things yeah, I'd agree. I mean, the, the when you watch games off the ball and you see runs that guys are making and the movement, and and I've even noticed that already in um, in the three uh, preseason games. I mean, it it really does look impressive. The, the guys running off the ball, the coordination of the movement, and the next step of that, and I, we talked about this last season, is you got to have people that are deep to get hit these runners, and and that are both willing and able to make certain kinds of passes, whether it's over the top through the channel or, you know, kind of these more intricate patterns of play that rip teams open, um, even with the wide overload. So I, I think we're starting to see more and more of it, and I think they'll get better at it. The only other thing that, um, you know, I still I, I mentioned already is how the keeper is deployed um, and, and whether that is truly an quote-unquote Ange keeper like it, like he had in Japan, where they're way far out and part of the buildup as as almost an extra center back. Um, and you know, I, I have really mixed feelings on that, given who the two keepers are that are likely to play the most. Um, so I, I think that'll be really interesting. Uh, it looks like he's trying it, 
and we did it a little bit after Hart arrived last season, and then he quickly got away from it. Um, so it looks like he's given it a shot for a little bit longer this preseason, and it'll be interesting to see if 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 he persists with it as we go into um, the games that actually count. Yeah, I think the point you make there about how uh, far up Celtic play is an interesting one because I, we saw last year, you know, in the um, – what would you call it? The period the Celtic struggled, even though you know they weren't really losing games, they were just uh, not getting wins. One of the issues was that teams were sitting so deep and Celtic were playing so far up that there was literally no space in the final third to play into. It was you were you you know you wanted Celtic just to take a step five yards back so that the the space would open in open up for the runners, but it, eventually it came it came uh, came to be fixed. So. You know, hopefully that is something that that is worked on over the, the preseason. I, I will be interested to see that that keeper situation. I can't see it. I can't see it happening either in the Scottish League or, especially not in the Champions League, depending on who Celtic get. But anything else that we want to cover now before we we finish up for the first episode of the year? Uh, it's just great to be back. You know, get back mm. into the routine. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a long six to eight weeks there, so. Yeah. Uh, as much as it's enjoyable to get some R and R uh, and go on vacation, that kind of stuff, or, or live a vacation like some people do, and I don't know who, who's <laughs> doing that, but uh, you know, it's, it's just great to be back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks for all the questions, by the way. Uh, yeah, good. I think uh, it's a shame we didn't get to all of them because I think it's some really good ones. Yeah, we'll we'll get to a good few now. Like preseason's great because you can. You can chat through a lot of big topics that you don't usually get to in the usual churn of the week to week and game to game situation. And with the Champions League, you know it's going to be even more hectic uh, this season. So it's 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 with within reason that you've got your big pay package for this year because uh, obviously there's going to be a little <laughs> bit more work going on over the next couple of weeks. But look, uh, the it's it is great to be back. The huddle breakdown is going to be with you for the the season coming, and hopefully over the next week we'll try get some sort of regular-ish schedule, as you can imagine. It's not the easiest uh, to organize when I'm in I, the I, I think you owe us and the listeners now. Let, let's hear the, the, the pending itinerary of end of call travels. So where, where are we off to next? What's what, you know, where are we going to be broadcasting from over the next few weeks? So um, I'm in Leon now for Bastille Day. So that's tomorrow. Then at the weekend, I'll be heading towards the Alps, I'd imagine, oh, uh, probably rough, in rough the way. shadow of uh, Mont Blanc uh, for a couple of days. And then into Turin, we're, we're going into our Italy stint then um, over the next uh, month or so. So Turin is the first <laughs> uh, spot for our, our Italy, uh, Italy uh, travels. And then, you know, we're kind of working our way across Turin to Milan, to Verona, to Venice, and then back up the Amalfi coast and uh, back into France before back to Ireland in the next couple of, uh, probably mid-September, I'd say. Impressive. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> so you're, not going to the, you're not going to the south of Italy. You're going to stay in the north, closer to the Oh, island. no, I'll go to the south, yeah. No, I'll go but to you're going south, all the way down Italy, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it'll, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. It'll be hectic yeah. trying to do all this uh, but uh, look, that's the dedication I have to this show. <laughs> go, go steady on that wine. It's, it's, it's more than a marathon. Definitely not a sprint. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. Anyway, guys, it's been great to be back for episode one of season three of the Huddle Breakdown. Hard to believe we've been doing this for 
this is going to be our third year doing it this season so hopefully everyone in the comments enjoyed the first show and if you have not subscribed to the youtube channel it'll be on the youtube all year round and you'll be able to get it on podcast as well so until next week alan james thanks very much all right guys thanks take care all right we'll, we'll chat to you later good luck Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.